This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, books that are timeless and charming, provocative and of the moment. The conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. This is Just the Right Book Shorts, and I am Roxanne Cody, joined by Billy Goldstein, our author, reviewer for NBC, and my pal in talking about books. And today, we're going to start the conversation, it doesn't seem very beachy, end of summary, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about sad books before we'll turn a corner. And what got me started on this, one of our early episodes, I talked about a book by Sebastian Barry called Old God's Time. And I'm a fanatical fan of Sebastian Barry's, and I was excited to pick up this book. And although this book is in the vein that Sebastian Barry generally writes, which is, he's an Irish writer they're set in Ireland. They tend to talk about what might be referred to as small lives. This book, when I finished it, I realized I was so emotional, and it was one of the saddest books I had ever read. At the same time, that it was a book that I read with such deep satisfaction because Sebastian Barry's ability to write a sentence that is more beautiful than you can imagine words can be strung together, and you appreciated his language at the same time that you were so connected to its character, who essentially had a life equivalent to that of Job. So I want to reinforce what I said a while ago, that if you have it in your mood to read a sad book, I could not more highly recommend a book. It's it's wordy. You have to stick stick with it because the character is not such a reliable narrator. He's in and out of his own kind of fantasies, but it is gorgeous. So it made me think about Billy What sad book have you read recently? And what do we think is appealing or worrisome about reading sad books? It's so funny that when you mentioned that this might be a possible theme, I thought of a book that I had just, just finished. And so I don't know if we were on the same (laughs) wavelength. (laughs) I mean, we've been doing this uh, podcast long enough that I'm anticipating your reading moods. But it seemed so apt. I read a book, two novels. There are two novellas that are published as one volume by Colette, Sherry and the end of Sherry. I suppose it's Sheree. And it is a translation, a new translation that Norton has published by a, a woman named Rachel Caro of Colette's novels, one which was published in 1920 and one which was published in 1926. And it's about a woman named Leah and a man named Frederick. Her nickname for him is Cherie. And she is an aging courtesan. And he is the son of a close friend of hers with whom she has been having an affair. And it's by now he's in his 
early 20s. And it is the first novel is very beautiful about what this relationship means to both of them. And you get this wonderful picture of France, uh, Paris in the years just before World War One, really. I mean, in the early teens, late aughts, early teens. And so you have a picture of life in France and the demi-mondaine because Leia and her friends are all aging courtesans, also of great wealth. And so you get a wonderful novel about the two of them equally strong on the psychology of both as well as on uh, the social life of Paris. And then the second book, The End of Cherie, is was published six years later in 1926 and is about after France and Paris and Cherie and Leia after the war. And the war has really undone him, even though he is a survivor of the war and was wounded, but not mortally. And so you get the second picture of of Paris and of France in the 20s in the wake of the war and the price that all of these people have paid and well, as well as the aging Leia, because now she's much older. And in the meantime, Cherie has married and it's also a portrait of his loveless marriage and what they had to do to sort of meet the needs of bourgeois uh, society. And it's very sad because of the, I mean, on the one hand, the war, natural aging, the unhappy marriage, and then this picture of life in France in in the 20s. It was a mesmerizing book and very frank sexually, I mean, in, especially for the 20s. I mean, so I kept thinking, God, this was published in 1926. I do not feel like the Age of Innocence uh, by Edith Wharton, which was published, I think, you know, in 1925 or 1924, or The Sun Also Rises by Hemingway, which was published in 1926. American writers uh, were not writing this, frankly, about reality. Mm. Uh, so the sadness to me rang true uh, with, with this theme. And as I say, I had just finished it. I had just been to Paris. And so I also could picture all of the places in the city that were being described, I mean, or at least geographically. So what I loved about the book is in the sadness of a book, you can often find great joy and great pleasure. And it's what I suppose it's like seeing a movie that makes you cry. I mean, you're loving it for two hours. You're having this devastated emotional reaction to it. And yet you are in love with the experience. I mean, or at least enjoying the experience. So the paradox of enjoying, you know, sad experiences, um, especially when the characters are so beautifully drawn and so movingly, you're, you're feeling their experience so movingly. Um, I had never read anything by Colette before. I had only seen the movie Gigi. And obviously not a sad movie, and it's a musical. And Lydia Davis, who did not translate these novels, wrote a foreword for the edition. And she talks about how misunderstood in so many ways Colette is, because people have this sense of her as the author of Gigi and uh, not really understanding her strengths. So my my sad book would be Sherry and the End of Cherie. You know, so, Billy, as you were saying that about why a sad book, a thought occurred to me that for some reason hadn't occurred to me before. And that is like when you think when people like horror movies or that sort of thing, that maybe what it's about is an emotional experience is 
and can be satisfying. And there is, in in your talking about Colette's writing and in Sebastian Barry's, there is the notion of a sadness in the arc of life. I'm trying to think a little bit about why, what is it that we can find joy in? And here in Old God's Time, and and I did read uh, both the books when they came out, the Colette books. Mm-hmm. I think they came out like two years ago or a year yeah. and a half ago. And I happened to read them. And there is joy. I mean, it's a little bit of, even in Old God's Time, where there's so much loss, there is also so much love that had existed. Now, there is the love that's then lost, but I don't know that we're coming up with any concise way of of thinking about this, but it's a certain type of reader who's willing to read sad also. I just I, I love that phrase, the love that had the love that had existed to me just sums up or synthesizes so many books I've I've loved and the sense of longing that I want characters to feel, you know, or that I enjoy when characters feel. There's some great sadness just in that phrase, the love that had existed. I mean, whether it's love that has ended because people fall out of love or mm-hmm. someone has died. I mean, one of the you know, couples, one of the members of the love, you know, relationship or whatever, friendship too, uh, has died. And it seems to me that so many novels that I've loved have tried to explore the emotional depths of that Mm -hmm. question. Maybe that's where we'll sort of close this part of our conversation is that to witness in the reading of emotional depth is satisfying. Then there's probably the ugly idea that when you read sad books, you feel better about your pathetic life because yours isn't as bad. But but I don't want to go there because that makes us look like really bad people. (laughs) (laughs) I just I want to say about that. I once interviewed Augustine Burroughs when he published Running with Scissors, which is obviously a memoir of a very difficult and unhappy life. And he said that when the book became a bestseller and it was a surprise bestseller, he thought that a lot of people were reading it because they thought, my God, I thought my life was effed up. (laughs) But like, oh, my God, you know, some people have had it so much worse. So maybe maybe you're on to something for a lot of genres. All right. So in the few minutes that we've got left, let's take a little bit of a pivot away from the sad books. What else have you been reading? Well, the book that I also want to talk about has some sad things in it. So it's not completely, you know, reading a joyous romantic comedy, but it transcends in its own beauty a lot of the difficult bits of American history, passages of American history that it's about. It's a novel called The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride, who won a National Book Award for his historical novel, The Good Lord Bird, which was made into a TV uh, series with Ethan Hawke. He also wrote The Color of Water, a magnificent memoir. And this is a novel that begins in 
the 1970s uh, with a mystery. There's a skeleton found in a small town in Pennsylvania. And it goes back to the 20s and 30s. And we get this magnificent cavalcade of characters in this small town, blacks and Jews who live together. I don't want to say amiably, but, you know, a lot of them do. I mean, it's a cohesive community. And we also get a sense of the divisions, but the grocery store is owned by a Jewish couple and a lot of their customers are black. And there's no false sentimentality of what this town represents because there are other elements, including someone in the town who marches in the Ku Klux Klan parade. They have a Ku Klux Klan parade, but it's just an evocation of of American history at a moment. And I think what we were talking about, about the sadness, obviously, we begin with a skeleton. There's a mystery here, and it's not always a happy story. But one of the things that can be so moving in a book is the sense of people living their lives without a sense of what the future holds. And the best novels, I think the best historical novels, give you that sense of the moment, even though we as a reader know future events, if not for these characters, then, you know, for the country. And and so this as I say, cavalcade of characters who are doing, going about their business. James McBride makes them all come to life. And I love the book, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. Well, that's great. You know, James McBride, to me, the range of writing that he does is exquisite. From his memoir about his mother to his biography of James Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, you could tell he's a jazz musician, that he's got a lyricism to his writing, but his books are so different and they're always fabulous. All right, we're going to end on this note. And this is a super happy note. (laughs) I was in Portland, Maine, having lunch with my daughter-in-law a few weeks ago. And in walked a woman by the name of Julie who used to live in Castine, Maine, where I spend a lot of time. And I hadn't seen her and I love her. And we saw each other for a minute and it was exuberant. I mean, we were just like, even though it was fleeting, we were just so happy to see each other. Well, I then about 10 days later, get an email from her saying she was at a reading at Print, which is a bookstore in Portland, Maine, owned by uh, Richard Russo's daughter. Oh. And she had been to a reading by a woman by the name of Kate Doyle, and she got me a copy of the book. You know, what do they call that? Ice to the Eskimos or something? And Coles to Newcastle. You know, Coles, that, I was actually trying to think of Coles to Newcastle, but it was the most endearing gesture. And she said the book made her think I might like it. Well, it's called I Meant It Once. It's by Kate Doyle. They're short stories and they are beyond fabulous. They are exuberant. They are hilarious. They all involve young women who are trying to deal with relationships that don't work, friendships, boyfriends, trying to figure out like how to move forward in the uncertain world that we exist in. But this woman's wit and humor is stunning. And I am so glad. I mean, not only am I glad I saw Julie, I am so thrilled that she introduced me to this writer because... You can't have more fun than read this book. And 
obviously it's talking about women, not obviously, it is talking about women in their 20s. And I'm way out of my 20s. And <laughs> I just relished every story. So we can we can both absorb the sad and the happy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we'll wrap that up as another episode of Just the Right Book Shorts, a reminder uh, this is still a work in progress. We keep sort of stretching and changing the perimeters of it. But let us know what you think at podcast at rjjulia.com. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it and listen to all our episodes. Thanks so much, Billy. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. The show is produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Gino Cardone at Pleasant Podcast. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am Roxanne Cody. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any comments, observations, suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at justtherightbook at rjjulia.com.